class is uh, really more practical, but we're looking at how do we strategically reach our campus. What's, what's the strategic group that we need to reach? Who do we need to reach? When do we need to reach them? Let's strategize. You know, I've, I just presented a heart for the lost. Now, what do we do with that heart? How can we strategically go about reaching this campus? Okay, so um, I'm going to start off by talking about why you need to reach freshmen, first-year students. Why is it important that you reach first-year students? Some of you during this class are going to be having aha moments, like, oh, I know why you targeted me. <laughs> I know why you guys went after me. I know why you guys are in my dorm now, right? Unless you, if you haven't had those moments yet, here we go, okay? <laughs> this is why it's so important to reach freshmen. Okay, first of all, um, you who are first-year students in LTC, get the longest career to lead small group in college. Right, that's, that's huge. You get, you get a few cracks at this thing, multiple years to experience this and walk in this. So reaching freshmen is extremely strategic because um, for those people, you're gonna have the longest amount of time with them. Maybe they won't be ready their freshman year, that's okay, but you're still having that time. Whereas um, if you wait, you know, if, you, if we only reached Seniors, and we love our seniors in this class, by the way. Those of you that are seniors, yeah. Bree, Callie, I don't know if she's here tonight. We love our seniors, yep. But if we were, if you were all only seniors and graduating in, in May, I don't think things would go very well, right? <laughs> you understand that? So it's important that we reach freshmen or first-year students because we have them the longest. Um, this group, you, you arrive when you get to CSU, you have probably no or few friends. If you're like me, I, I didn't know a single person when I got to campus. And I'm from Colorado, okay? You don't have to be from out of state to come and arrive at Welcome Week and feel like, oh my goodness, I know nobody here. This is important because there's no attachment to a friend group that you're competing with when you're building your small group, right? How often do I meet people, your average student on campus this time of year, who even if they are interested in small group, has so much invested in another group of friends and another social circle, it's, it's like pulling teeth to pull them out of that. And I'm competing with that. Whereas with first year students, you've got no friend attachment whatsoever. They are um, the most open. I see as time goes on, and I speak with students that have been at CSU for a while, a callousness and a hardness to evangelism because there have been multiple attempts made by the time they're a senior to, to lead them to Jesus. And I mean, there's been other ministries that have tried. There have been other men and women of God who have reached out to them again and again, and they've had to, what we talked about in the last class, they've had to sear their conscience, had to drown that by resisting that, and so they're, they're just callous. Freshmen, first-year students are arriving a lot of times without that. Like, no one's been trying to reach them a lot of times. No one's been doing anything to reach them. And so there, there's an openness there. They have the least, and again, it's funny talking about this stuff because some of you are first-year students, but even as, you have to admit, as a first-year student, you have the least formed identity. When you come to college, you don't know exactly who you are or what you're going to do. You don't have it all figured out. And that's really important for a small group because you get to have a hand in molding that identity to be in the identity of Christ. Okay, they don't have this 
this strong identity yet. That hasn't happened. Um, they, a lot of times, you know, when you're building small group, you're, you'll be tempted to think, I'm not cool enough to get these students to follow my life. And here's the, here's the good news about first year students. You get to define what's cool for them, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get to, they don't know any better. They don't know that flaming tennis balls isn't just something that everyone does when they get to CSU or like that kind of memory. I mean, so often we, we have a root beer cake. I'm telling you this, if we invited a bunch of seniors to our root beer cake party, they would, they would be so appalled <laughs> that it was, they were drinking root beer, that they would all vanish. But what happens when we invite all the first year students during welcome week Ah, this is great. This root beer tastes really good, right? <laughs> Even if they're totally unsafe, they still love it because we get to define that for them. That's important. Um, they're the most available. They're not, they're not doing their senior design project. They're not buried in mountains of homework yet when they first get to campus. Now, they, now first year students, a lot of times, think they're busier than they are. And you're gonna, yes, you're gonna have that headache of like, I'm telling you, you got time to hang out. Stop worrying about like music appreciation. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can you can take the class without studying. I promise you. <laughs> but it's true. They have the most availability. And if we reach the the first years, the freshman class every year, eventually we will be effectively reaching the whole campus. And that's a more manageable target than 33,000 students. 5,000 is much more manageable than 33,000. If we can effectively reach the first years every year, those 5,000 are coming in. If we can hit a big chunk of that, we are going to be taking, we're going to be getting serious gains towards reaching the whole campus at large. Okay? That's way more manageable than just embracing all of campus. Okay, so Ileana's going to talk a little bit about why Welcome Week is important. All right. How many of you guys do we meet during Welcome Week? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that's a lot. There we go. Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so one reason why Welcome Week is so important is um, classes haven't started yet. So you start the yeah. Wednesday uh, before the week starts. And so you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to hang out with them. And they don't have any classes going on. Um, they do have Grand Welcome Week stuff, but it's great because you can do it with them. There's so much that the school does. You can spend literally all day, all night with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's like one of the most valuable things people can give you? It's time, you know? And so these students have time. These students want to have fun. Um, these students want to make memories. It's their first week in college. They don't know anyone. Great time to hang out with them. Um, Another great thing is you will only meet freshmen, which is wonderful. And, um, you know, like Brent said, the most strategic people you can meet right now are, are when you first start are freshmen, and they are all freshmen that are moving in mm -hmm. to the dorms, mostly. And, um, you know, <laughs> yep. they're given those lanyards that are so bright and green, and you just be like, you're a freshman. <laughs> great. Yeah, so great. Um, <laughs> Uh, you, so on average, uh, we find that for every 10 contacts you make, about one of them ends up in your small group. <laughs> so 
So 10 contacts is a lot. And um, I mean, you yeah. guys can imagine just if you did that tomorrow, it would take a lot of effort, a lot of effort for you to find 10 contacts mm -hmm. uh, throughout the day. But Welcome Week is amazing because mm -hmm. you meet all these freshmen who are have the mentality of I want to make friends and you want to make friends. And so you are able to just say, hey, you know, how are you? You know, what are you doing here? <coughs> Tell me about your life. Hey, can I get your number and can we go hang out soon? And it's not weird at all. Yeah. And so you can very, very, very easily make 10 contacts in just a couple of hours during a welcome week event. It's mm -hmm. so easy and you will not get that beautiful window of opportunity any other time other than welcome week. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a lot of work and um, you just have to really put yourself out there. But I mean, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, mm -hmm. and just ask any of our small yes. leaders, it is so worth it how much time you put into Welcome Week. Mm -hmm. Just so worth it. Yeah. Um, so you might wonder, like, why why can't I target other groups on campus? You know, maybe you have a lot of uh, sorority fraternity friends. Maybe you have, um, maybe you're part of an engineering club and you have friends in that. Why, why is it so important that you target these freshmen during Welcome Week and not other groups? Um, kind of like Brent said, it's hard, hard to create community when they already have community somewhere else. You know, they already have established friendships. They've al already felt um, a sense of belonging, maybe, in other groups. And it might be revolved around, like, something like, oh, you're an engineer, I am too. Or, oh, you like food, we're in this food club together. You know, like, <laughs> it could be something, um, like, so simple like that. But if they already feel a sense of belonging, it's hard to take them out of that into your group to also have a sense of belonging. Um, Yes, also, um, you know, competing agendas, you know, that can also be a thing. You know, we're trying to get these people into a godly community, but you see so many other groups on campus. I mean, you can just walk in the plaza, and everyone is vying for people's attention. Mm -hmm. You know, come be a part of, of this, come be a part of this. I mean, freshmen are constantly being, you know, approached all the time about different things going on. And so it's wonderful that we have Welcome Week to pursue them, and they will go wherever the friendship is, yes. wherever the relationship is, wherever that sense of belonging, that sense of love, that sense of feeling welcomed, they will follow that. Mm -hmm. So we have that chance in Welcome Week to do that for others. Um, another thing you guys might be thinking is, um, well, I have a lot of friends in this other community, you know, and they're my good friends, or I have these roommates um, that I can, you know, pursue or get to know and get in my small group. I can make a small group with my roommates. A lot, of, a lot of small group leaders do think that, and of course, I want you guys to pursue the people that are around you and in your life, but you always want to follow the criteria of are they fat, mm -hmm. are they faithful, are they available, are they teachable, mm -hmm. and if they, sometimes your roommate may not be those yeah. things, yeah. and it's good to be aware of that. Yes. It's good to not put all your eggs in one basket and mm -hmm. to just be like, I'm just going to go for these group of people who I've been hanging out with this past year. No, it's so good to reach out and to, to yeah, just, you know, find the freshmen, mm -hmm. find the people who don't know anyone. Um, it's so important to do that, as well as pursuing people in your life. Um, okay, do you want to talk about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, now we're going to divide freshmen and first-year students into two categories, and really this applies whether they're first year or not. You need two different groups in your small group. You need Christians. I'm going to say this. You need students who have a Christian background in your small group. 
You need them to have at least a familiarity with Christianity and an upbringing Christianity, if not belief in Christianity. And this is why. So for the first group, um, a lot of times the Christian, the, the students who are raised Christian in their background will find out they're not actually Christian, right? <laughs> Maybe that was you. That was, that was I, I, have, I know people that very frequently they come into outposts, they start hearing about the lordship of Jesus, they start being challenged to obey him, they realize they never obeyed him, they, they realize that they're just, they're living in sin like anyone else, but yet they're identifying as Christian, they realize that identity, just that label is not true. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important. We want to reach people like that. We want to reach people that are deceived in that. Um, they've probably never experienced small group the way we do it. So even if you were Christian and you grew up in a church that had small groups, you probably didn't experience small group the way we want it to be. Right? We say small group is more than a weekly meeting, have the weekly meeting, but it's not just the weekly meeting. And my experience with small group when I grew up in church was just a weekly meeting. It was just a weekly time. I didn't hang out with those people outside of it. I didn't live life with them. They didn't know what I was doing outside that time. It was so easy to hide behind a mask and give all the right answers. I couldn't do that when I was in my small group here. They saw right through all that, right? And so that's why it's so important. We need to, they, need, they need to experience the way we do small group. They probably never had someone pursue them. Okay? You need to keep this in mind with, with um, Christians, especially here at CSU. They've probably gone to church just because their parents told them to, or even if they wanted to, they never had a youth leader or somebody actively reaching out to their life, wanting to meet with them outside of a Sunday service. Most, most Christians here at CSU fall in that category. So we're pursuing them, and you need to pursue Christians. Yeah. Right? You can't just assume, oh, you got my solid Christian in my small group. I'm good to go. You need to actually pursue that person more in some senses because they've never experienced that love before. They've never experienced that pursuit. And if they're ever going to replicate that, they've got to experience it. Man, I'm going to just use a quick analogy. When you grow up, you start as a child. And when you're a child, you have no responsibility. You shouldn't. Your parents have all the responsibility. You don't have any freedom but you have no responsibility. And so it's all fun and play. My kids play like 90% of the day. In fact, Everly goes to preschool and 90% of her preschool is playing. You know? And that's what they say. Like her teacher's like, we can't force these kids to learn the alphabet when they're three and four years old. They need to have fun. Just, and Nate talks about this so well. Like you need to have fun. And that's true for Christianity. When you're born again, when you become a new Christian, you should have fun in love with Jesus. Like you should have worship experiences in your room that are so powerful where you're like, I can never leave my room. <laughs> you should have that. If you don't, and the responsibility is thrust on your shoulders without that love, that intense passion, you're going to resist that responsibility. You're not going to accept it. You're going to reject it. Yeah. And so I've seen um, people go through LTC that shouldn't have because they never had that phase where they got to just fall in love with Jesus and just do that without responsibility. So that's why when you have them in small group, give them that space. Don't start putting responsibility on their shoulders day one. They don't need that. They actually need you just to give them a time to, to breathe and have fun and, and have a space. Small group should be a place that's safe for them to experience God along with those that are not Christian. Okay, and then 
they are necessary because you need a majority in favor of God in your small group to help unbelievers change. So when it comes to reaching the lost, um, yes, you will be instrumental. You will be largely instrumental as a small group leader in leading someone to Christ, but you need you, you do need other Christians to help you in small group. I've never seen a small group of completely lost people where one of those people started following Jesus. Flat out, I'm telling you, I've never seen it. I cannot point to a single small group where that happened. I can tell you small groups where there were at least one or two core Christians in that small group that were fighting alongside their small group leader trying to help those people know Jesus. Some of you are doing that right now. Yeah. You realize you're that for your small group leader yeah. this year? And there are lost people in your small group that you're helping because of your presence in the small group community. Yeah. Right? Your small group leader needs you. So you need to find Christian people to have that community of belief. Now, Ileana's going to talk quickly about why you also can't just have a small group full of Christians. Okay. Yeah. So it's just as important to have, um, I mean, Brent just talked about it the last hour, to have lost people in your small group. Just as important. Um, yeah, people can be so much more closer to knowing Jesus than you think. Yeah. Um, I remember Katie Cam, she was a yeah. small group leader a long time ago. Uh, when she yeah. was on campus, she got approached by someone, and I think they just asked her, like, what she thought about God or, um, if, or if she thought she would go to heaven or hell. It was something very, very simple. Mm-hmm. And um, right there, she realized that she needed Jesus. And, I mean, she gave her life to the Lord, and luckily we got to disciple her. And, um, I mean, that was just very fortunate. And so people can be so much more closer to Jesus than you think, so you have to give them a chance. Um, And lost people need small group just as much as Christians. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember being in small group and being not knowing at all what it meant to walk with God. And, I mean, I just remember my small group leader asking this one question in small group, like, do you think marriage is selfish? I remember she just asked that, and I was like, "Well, I guess yeah, because every you know you only get married to like be happy and you know have a good life." And and we ended up having this like huge talk, and you know I had other Christians that were in that group that that shared about about marriage and and how that reflected Jesus um, being married to us, the church, and and I just remember that conversation mm-hmm. so much, and it was amazing because it was a discussion where I felt comfortable asking questions, where I felt comfortable, um, like it was okay that I didn't know um, what, what was in the Bible, that I didn't know, um, you know, what was in Leviticus, you know, like it's okay, you know, you need to make your small group an atmosphere where it is okay for people to ask questions mm-hmm. and not feel lame for not knowing um, mm-hmm. things that maybe the other people know. Um, they're looking for community just as much as anyone else. And you guys have to provide that for them, mm-hmm. no matter where, where they are. And you have to make their community, your community feel like they have a place there, like they yeah. have value there. Like, um, man, I remember my small group leader, one time I didn't make it to small group, and she told me, like, man, I love it when you're there. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you, you bring so much value to our group when you're yeah. not there. Or, like, even hangouts. She would be like, man, I miss you, like, at our hangout because mm-hmm. – I just love, um, you know, all the, you know, the, you just are so funny and so great. You know, she's just like always honored me so much. Um, so you want to make sure that they have that sense of belonging mm-hmm. there. So important. Um, they may have never truly been loved before. Um, and, you know, 
even with Christians, people may have never truly been loved before, but there is um, no love like the love of Jesus, and there's no love like the love of um, a community of people who love Jesus. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's yes. transformational, and yes. I'm sure you guys have experienced yeah. that in your small group experience and in just being an outpost. I mean, our community is amazing, and it's such a gift, and it's mm-hmm. so rare, mm-hmm. so rare. And so I want as many people as possible to experience this. And so just remember that that is such a value, the love that we have because we know Jesus. Um, Also, like what Brent said earlier, um, these people who are lost but get found in Christ bear so much fruit in their lives. I mean, just the transformation that happens from someone understanding, wow, I... I have been saved by Jesus. Yes. I mean, they have that conviction forever, and yep. they will go out right. and um, be so convinced. Mm-hmm. They will be the greatest small group leaders. I mean, yes. some of the greatest small group leaders we've had mm-hmm. have been people who have had radical testimonies. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. some are in this room. Yep. Come on. Yes, also go uh, where no one else is going, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I'm grateful for all of the Christian groups on campus, all of the Christian ministries, but we don't just hold a sign that says, you know, if you're a Christian, come to this group. You know, we mm-hmm. we want this to be a place for everyone, mm-hmm. and we want to go the places where no other campus ministry or Christian group is going, yeah. you know? So be challenged by that, you know? Um, I remember... <laughs> I remember walking with um, a, a small group leader years ago. Her name was Julie. And um, I remember she, we were moving people in, and there were two cars next to each other. And one of them, you know, the parents had like a, a cross sticker on or like a fish around the license plate. And, um, you know, she looked like a really nice girl with like a, a cross necklace. And literally right next to the car, there was this other um, a freshman packing, she was, you know, unpacking her stuff, and she was, like, all in black, had, like, a wolf shirt on, <laughs> and, like, cool, you know, she just, like, was super cool, and, um, and, uh, I was, like, Julie, let's go to her, like, let's, because no other Christian group is going to go to that girl, like, let's go to that girl, and, um, and, yeah, like, don't be afraid to go to the people where, um, they need you the most, you know, so, yes. Um, lost freshmen are the only group of lost people that will be most likely to attend small group. Um, this is a critical season in their lives. This is the time where, where they are open, where they're asking questions, where they want to find a place to land. And so take opportunity of that with the freshmen. You know, just go reach, reach out to them, bring them into your small group. Don't think it's weird. Don't think, oh, they need to uh, be Christians before they can come. Yeah. Just, just take opportunity yeah. of it and bring them yeah. into your community. Yes. Yeah, cool. Okay, um, for the last little bit, the last few minutes we got, I'm just going to talk about XAI. You guys know what that means? stands for Chi Alpha Internationals. Yeah, so we want to reach, um, strategically, we also want to reach international students. And I wish I had more time to devote to this. This is a hugely strategic group on campus. I could go on and on about the fact that we don't have to travel overseas to countries that are in fact closed to the gospel in order to reach those people because they're coming here to study. Mm-hmm. Right? You, I, I, I befriended and I was, I was good friends with an Iranian grad student. I, as, just as an a, a, a American Christian, have no access to Iran. 
as a country. Like I would have to find a creative way to gain access to that country. But here was a guy, because he wasn't in Iran, he wasn't around his radical family, was able to actually explore what Christianity meant. Jacob Graham and I, I remember having Bible studies with him. He literally sat down, I pitched it to him, why don't we study the Quran and the Bible side by side? Because there's a lot of similar, not stories, but there's similar names in the Quran and the Bible. Here's a, here's a cool thing he said about the Bible. He's like, man, I love the Bible because I get to know who these people are. The Bible is so detailed. It's so beautiful how the narrative unfolds and it, it has a story. The Quran is just a bunch of hodgepodge of, of different sayings and things that Muhammad wrote throughout his life. And it, it honestly is really complicated. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And he quickly noticed that the Bible was just beautifully simple. And it, it began, we, we worked our way from Adam and then we went to Noah, we went to Abraham. <coughs> And I remember sharing about Jacob, and it struck him how the grace of God could change Jacob into Israel. He just couldn't get over it. I remember he just, it baffled him. Grace was the difference between Christianity and Islam. And it, it always will be. Now, we got this incredible opportunity to reach my friend um, and, and, and present that gospel to him as clearly as we possibly could. And he would never have had that opportunity unless... I had gone out of my way to try to reach him, to try to befriend him. So I want to encourage you all to have a heart as well for the international student. You know, you don't, it doesn't require an expertise in their language or culture to reach them. In fact, the less you know, the better, because you can ask them more questions, and your questions are genuine. Yeah. Like, you can authentically ask your Muslim friend, why does he pray five times a day? Why does he go to the mosque when he does? Why does he do the certain things he does? Why does she wear a hijab, you know, why did, you can ask them those questions, and it's not rude, it's not inappropriate if it's authentic, that's friendship, okay, so I want to encourage you all to, to not just have tunnel vision for white students, okay, let's look for students that are foreign, let's look for students that are international, and just risk it, it'll be a blast, yeah. uh, I'll share one more thing, I had an Indian friend, my, my first year small group leading, Really, the only fruit I had that year came from my Indian friend, Srivats, who I met intentionally by going to the international house. And they had this Friday event. It was a potluck. And I went there, and I just started up a conversation with some Indian guys. And I learned that if you meet one Indian, you actually make five Indian friends. You don't just make one. And so Srivats was one of those. And he, him and his friend would invite me over to their apartment. And I started hanging out in their apartment. And I just remember the, the curry. <laughs> I remember the smell of curry. <laughs> I smell like curry <laughs> after being in that time. And I remember they found out I played guitar, and there's this Indian night that happens every year, and they, they recruited me to be in their band. <laughs> and so I played guitar with them. And um, I had this friendship with Srivats. I ended up helping serve them. Like when they moved out of their apartment, I helped clean their apartment with them. And as time went on, I, I, I just tried. Right? I just tried to reach him. And as time went on, he came back into my life after being absent for a couple of years. And he, he approached me. He reached out to me because he said, Brent, I have things on my heart that no one else will understand, but I think you will. And it's because the Lord was dealing with him. I, I'll never forget getting to, to present to him the gospel. 
and really calling him to obedience in Jesus. And he sat there and he thought about it, and he was this close. I'm telling you guys, again, I, I still have hope for him. It's tragic, too, right? That, yes, it's sad that he didn't respond, but how wonderful that he had an opportunity. <coughs> at least at least that, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'll never regret it. I'm so thankful to Jesus for him. I'll always be thankful to Jesus for my friend. So I just want to encourage you guys to, to think of those students as well as you're going out. They're easy to find. They're very easy to befriend. And that they, they will be some of the best friends that you'll have here at CSU. I promise you that. Okay. Cool. So let's go to our cohort time. And before we do that, I want to just have Kaylee come up. And she's going to share a little bit in one minute about our practical for this week. That's your challenge, Kaylee. Yeah. I love talking about this. Don't take really wave at me when it's time and stuff. Um, so I, I love this outreach. This is an outreach that we do like as outpost outside of LTC, um, but we decided to bring it in to LTC this year. Um, so what we do is called Spiritual Readings Tent, which sounds weird, I know. But um, basically it's to try to get people interested who otherwise like would be like prayer tent, like, yeah, like with you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and, and we do. We, we've gotten the chance to uh, meet and even in some cases have, like, real relationships with people who um, are very far from the Lord, but they come in the tent. And w- we're going to talk about more details mm-hmm. in cohorts, but they come in the tent and you we pray for them and we ask the Lord for a specific word mm-hmm. for them to give them a specific message. And the Lord comes through and people get, like, blown away or you know, like, <laughs> have have this experience where, like, wow, like, maybe, maybe God's real, or Christians who have straight away, they're like, man, like, <laughs> I need to, I need to get back to faith, that sort of thing. It's a super cool outreach, and it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. What really the time details that you want that we're going to do it? Oh, yeah. So, um, practically, logistically, we're doing it on Tuesday and Friday. Um, and both days, it'll be at 11.30 to 3.30 window. Um, and if that completely doesn't work for you, you're going to talk to your cohort leader, and you guys are going to go out and do something that's called treasure hunting, which they will explain to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so plan. You don't have to be there the whole time. Um, but plan on showing up probably, I, I want to say, for at least an hour, mm-hmm. um, if you can swing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 30 minutes minimum, like, if you're totally in time crunch. But, like... Try to try to commit at least an hour, um, and you're gonna see some awesome things. We're gonna be out there to support you. We're not just gonna set the tent up and be like, "Yeah, it's over here. Like, go do it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll have a lot of support, and like we said, we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, and we'll be out there to like train a little bit. So. Cool. Cool. Um, how many of you have heard of this tent? You guys have all seen the sign, free spiritual reading. Uh, let me answer two quick objections you might have. One. Um, you might be thinking, isn't that bait and switch? Right? Because we call it a spiritual reading, and then they come in, and we're actually not going to like read their palms or pull out a crystal ball. Right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I've only had one person out of probably the 30 to 40 interactions I've had in the tent say, oh, this is Christian, I'm out of here. Every other person, no matter where they're at, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, spiritual but doesn't know what that means 
they always will stay. They stay. And, I, and what we'll do when they get in the tent is we'll tell them, hey, we're Christians. And we don't have a crystal ball. But we do believe in a God who speaks. He's going to speak to us. And we're going to share what he said. That's only going to be something he would know. So that you can know that God knows you. God is real. God is here. Okay? So that's one objection. It's not bait and switch because um, it is, in fact, a spiritual reading in the, in the truest sense. I mean, we had, we had one girl say, you guys are better than any medium I've ever been to. <laughs> no joke. No joke. She's like, you guys are more accurate you know, than any spiritist or anyone like that. Okay, so it's it's real. Spiritual reading is is it, it's a lang- it's a language that they understand. It's a language they understand. Second objection, um, I don't know about all that spiritual stuff. I don't. I'm, I'm still not sure about the Holy Spirit. I I don't know about operating in any of this. Come and experience it. Come and see. Okay, don't write it off. Don't don't just fold your arms and be like, well, I'm just going to avoid that tent. I've seen guys do that and. That's a critical spirit. That's not a critical mind. Come and just see it. Just come and experience it. That's all we're asking of you. Okay, we're asking you just to come and, and watch. You'll see it's not some voodoo weird thing that we're doing. It's totally normal. It's awesome. It's fun. It's a blast. Okay, yeah. so um, let's let's get into our resource cohorts. Let's meet up. Let's talk. And uh, we got 12 minutes. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, 